Cope with Depression, the podcast. People sometimes ask me why I feel this way, and for the life of me I can never think of what to say. It can often be mistaken for a feeling of sadness, but this can be less true. Although don't get me wrong, I can feel sad too. I can even feel streaks of happiness run through my mind, but it's always the clarity I can never seem to find. Like an emotionless fog running through my headspace, always keeping me in exactly the same place. An intense, crippling, timeless dimension where everything I do requires constant attention. It sounds crazy, but the biggest struggle for me is getting out of bed. It's never out of laziness, it's pure dread for the day ahead. An ongoing battle which constantly waits at my feet. The same one as yesterday I crawled my way through to defeat. My only escapism I encounter is when I'm sleeping, yet so often I still feel the depression creep in. I can occasionally be persuaded to venture for a walk, but I pray I don't bump into anyone and have to talk. Sometimes I catch familiar faces I haven't seen in a while, but I never set loose of the truth. I just stand there and smile. I do wonder if they can ever tell, but then again I know my mask hides me well. My home is now my safe place. I feel somewhat secure. Nowadays I never feel curious as to what's outside the door. I don't seem to hold a connection to the world anymore. When I am in my moments of darkness, I always remember that time moves on regardless. I know this present moment won't last after today, and maybe, just maybe, one day I will feel okay. Behind the Mask by Samantha Crilly. Hello, I'm Neil Long. I'm going to be your host on this extraordinary podcast. I, too, am a passionate advocate for mental health. That's why I'm so excited to be hosting. It's to help promote Lynn Crilly's, that's Sam's mum's uh, new book, latest book hope with depression but more than promoting a book we're promoting a timely and in my humble opinion necessary message hell we're shouting it from the rooftops because it needs to be although this podcast is going to be presented in an entertaining and professional manner entertainment is not the main point of this we want to we want to share first-hand accounts learnings solutions the latest knowledge and therapies available we also want this to be a shared experience, so hopefully you'll feel as comfortable as you would catching up with an old friend. Believe me, whether you're a carer or a sufferer or have had depression or however depression has touched your life, you're in very good company. Lynn Crilly is an accomplished author, therapist and mum. In my opinion, one of the most inspirational women I know. She's got an incredible body of work, including Hope with OCD and Hope with Eating Disorders. You can find out more on www.lyncrilly.com. Oh, and for more details on how to promote your important message on an accepted and popular platform like podcasting, my website, www.neillong.com. So, let's get into it. Mental health matters a lot. What you need to know is that all the accounts that you hear are from genuine experiences of people. We might have got someone else to voice it, but the experience behind it is absolutely real. We will protect people's privacy when requested. You can be assured of that. But do be assured, there are no made-up stories ghostwriters or actors. This is real life. Lynn Crilly has lived it, not only suffering with depression herself, but also negotiating the challenges of nursing a mentally ill daughter back to health, as well as dealing with all the ups and downs of modern life that we all face. Some goal-setting strategies talk about beginning with the end in mind. So let's do exactly that. Let's go to the end of the book. Let's show you where Lynn is now. If not at the end of her journey, way, way further along the path. Because right now, if you're stuck in the dark tunnel of depression, you need a guiding light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what we're going to give to you on this first episode of Hope with Depression. 
Lynn Crilly. Yes, we I'm meet, here. We meet again. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. We How are meet, you? I'm all right. We meet again. We've uh, we've been you in this interview situation before. We've talked about many things before. Yeah. Tonight, not an exception. We're talking about your latest book, released on Monday, the 20th of January, 2020, Hope with Depression, a self-help guide for those affected and their families, friends and carers. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Can I say this is probably one of the best resources I have, and most detailed resources I have ever, ever seen. Oh, bless you. I must admit it was probably the hardest book that I've found to write. I mean, I found it the most challenging to write. I mean, a labour of love, surely. But I mean, how many, how, how long does it take you to collate all this disparate information and put it all together in such a logical way? I mean, um, it took me about a year to write it. Yeah. Um, but I have to say I've been very supported um, I'm very lucky. I have a good team around me. Mm. And also the book has over 121 contributors and they've all been fantastic as well. Uh, it was almost like we formed a little family as we were going through writing the book. So I couldn't have done it without the team behind me and also um, the, all the contributors. Yeah, that's lovely and very humble. But I mean, that, that doesn't that doesn't take away from the fact that it is an extraordinary piece of work and I think will bring if you pardon the pun hope to a lot of people I mean I, I took one look at it and thought right we need to make a podcast on this it's not an audio book by the way and we're not it's not like um, we're just going to read it verbatim but we're going to talk about over the coming episodes we're going to talk about various therapies we're going to talk to some people that y- you've interacted with uh, some of the some of the therapists in the book uh, we're going to get them all on you know, former sufferers we're going to we're going to approach it from every angle but I did say that I wanted to begin begin at the end so I'm going okay. right to the end of the book here, okay. to the chapter that says conclusion uh, from me to you. So I'm just going to read some of this, and then maybe we could just sort of talk about it as, as we go through. Because this is where you are now. Yes. This, this is where you are yes. now. And it's not been an easy journey. It's not been un- at all. <laughs> not at all. No. And this will relate to so many. This is why it's got to get out there, because I want, I want people to know that they're not alone. I want people to know that there is a way back. I want people to know that there is hope. And, and this is what you do. You, you are, everything you do is about hope. Your whole brand is hope. I love it. Oh, bless. And it's, and it's, and it's important. And I it's important. I think but- also, yes, I think with this book particularly, because it is my own personal experience, it is really important to me that people do know that recovery is possible. It's not an easy road to walk, but it's definitely one that's worth walking. Because recovery this is-, is always possible. Yeah, and, and that's... Actually, no, you, we better not say that. Re- recovery is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we want you to know. And that's what we want you to know. Like I say, number one, that you, let me just think about this. No, no, number one, that you're not alone. Definitely. And number two, what what is possible? So we thought we'd tell anyone listening to this podcast where you are now, because you have walked the road, and this is where you are now. I think my depression started about, so my daughters are now 28, it was when they were about nine, 20 years ago. Right. How long did it last? Um, It was, I probably, I had moderate depression, and it probably lasted about three years. Um, But I have had... Um, times where I have felt it coming back and I've had to act on it and um, the last time particularly was when my head was down writing that book I found it particularly challenging Mm. to write the book and I recognised the symptoms Are you more aware of what your triggers are now and what to do about it because that's something else we want to be able to do with this podcast Very much so Very much so Our our bodies are quite sensitive I think and they're they're good at telling us things And, and when we feel those triggers coming on 
we go, wait a minute, right, need need to do something else here. Cause I, th- I think it's learning to recognise when, when you're not quite right. Mm. I mean, everyone, I always remember my mum said to me once, you know, you have to have down days to know what good days are. True. Um, which I've always taken on board. Grateful I think for the good times and grateful yeah. with the bad ones. And I think it's when the down days outweigh the good days that you begin to or it's good to take a stock and think yeah because every life right. has its ups yeah. and downs and of I, th- it I does. think we're never going to get away from that yeah. but 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 like you say when when the down days do outweigh so much that it, that it becomes a, a disorder in and of itself that's when uh, we either need to step in and sort of sort ourselves out and do what we need to and do and also when the up, way that you feel or reach starts, out for help start, yes definitely and also when the way that you feel starts to affect your daily routine exactly as, and you're not perhaps doing everything that you would have done or you're not feeling right. I mean, we're all very good at putting masks on oh, yeah. and pretending that everything's okay. I like that brilliant poem to open the podcast. Yes, definitely. But um, it, it's just learning to recognise. But no, it hasn't been... Any, I'm not going to pretend it has been an easy ride because it definitely hasn't. But yeah, here we are. it's one definitely... Well, I'm glad that I'm here where I am anyway. Yeah, and, and you're in a much better place now. Yes. Oh, without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm surrounded by a very strong network of people For as sure. well. You know, I've got a wonderful husband, my Indeed. beautiful girls. Kevin, yep. And their husbands and their fiancés. The cure is in the recovery. There is no elevator. You have to take the stairs. Over the last 18 years, I've fought and won my own battle with depression and watched my beautiful daughter, Samantha, that's who you heard doing the poem at the beginning, by the way, struggle, gain control of, and thankfully conquer her eating disorder and OCD. Double whammy. So I can honestly say without hesitation, there's light at the end of the dark tunnel for most people living with a mental illness and for those caring for them. These powerful and controlling illnesses were so entrenched in my daughter, I didn't think it was possible for her to make it to the other side. But she has, as have I. She's free from those crushing, all-consuming shackles and is now chasing her dreams. Big up, Sam, for a minute. She's completed and graduated from a stage and media degree, has her own publishing contract, and is writing her own book of powerful poetry, Hope Through Poetry, which is due to be published published in October of this year, October 2020. Samantha is doing, and I really wanted this line to get out there, Samantha is doing and experiencing things that neither she or any of us have dared to think possible. I can truthfully say she's the happiest and healthiest. I've seen her for many years, and every day she continues to challenge herself, taking positive strides towards a future she now knows she has, due in large part to her own perseverance and determination to free herself from the chains of mental illness. Wow! So it is possible. I'm, I'm sitting opposite Sam now and looking at you. You look at you look at no seriously. You know, I'm not just saying that, but you look you're looking you're looking. Brought tears to my eyes. As it, oh, stop it! But you, you're looking you're looking pretty good, girl. So you know, well done you. And no, she's a little inspiration. She's and the poetry is so superstar. powerful. That comes from a deep, deep place. Very deep. Deepest. The deepest of deep. Yeah, uh, and we, there will be some more poems actually, um, like this. Uh, there will be some more of Sam's poems on the podcast because uh, I think you just you just in, you encapsulate. A thousand, two thousand, three thousand words in just in just a few. I suppose that's the beauty of poetry. And you, Lynn, have uh, emerged yes. stronger and more confident. Both Definitely. experiences have set you on a new career path, which has enriched your life and still does on a daily basis, using your newfound knowledge and insight. Been able to help and support other families and their loved ones through to recovery, but also touch many more people's lives through my books uh, and podcasts, giving them the strength and courage to face and overcome their challenges, just as my husband and I and our daughters have. As a family, we take great strength from knowing we've been able to turn something so negative into our lives into a force for good giving others, whether they are the sufferer themselves or their loved ones, the hope that mental illness does not have to be a life sentence, that recovery is possible and sustainable. 
And I love your line here, your mantra. Maybe you'd like to say it. Never give up, keep going, and never settle for this is as good as it gets because it can always get better, both you... for both the sufferer and their carers. And what makes this so authentic? Uh, this this is not a ghost-written book. You haven't got somebody else to write it for you. That's very common nowadays. This this is this is, you wrote this book, and and only that you're not writing it based on theory, on what the textbooks no, I'm say. No, ba- I'm writing it based on, on ex- personal experience. Based on personal Both experience. Both personally and professionally. Yeah, and, and you can almost feel that ooze off the pages as you read it this is genuine as i said this is real life this is the real deal uh and it's important as well and it's it's a conversation that i think we, we as human beings should have had years ago but at last particularly with the millennial generation at last it seems to be coming you know coming up front and center because it's important it mental health matters a lot it really matters in my opinion because without that what have you got? And it, and I don't know why the governments, I'm certainly not going to get political here, but I don't know why the governments don't take it maybe a little more seriously because a mentally healthy society yes, is definitely. a good society. Yes. Would you rather live yeah. in a society of mentally yep. healthy people or mentally ill people? Yep. And for me, that's an absolute no-brainer. Mm. Now let's listen to some other testimonials. These are quoted in the book. They're voiced by Katie, our brilliant voiceover girl, but they are absolutely 100% genuine. Charlie speaks of a newfound and previously unnoticed opportunity Recovery is such an individual, unique journey. No two are the same. I've had really difficult hurdles to jump at times, and I think of these every day. It may take months, but I've started at least. I see the word recovery as an opportunity to teach and learn. To learn new skills and teach people that just because we have a chemical imbalance, it doesn't mean that we can't be successful. I work as a senior carer and currently manage a team of 23 at the age of 25. I don't hide my diagnosis from my colleagues or anyone else. They often shock to hear it and it reminds me that the stigma and stereotyping is very much alive and current. And that's something else I think needs to be addressed as well. The stigma and the stereotyping. Although I think I think companies are becoming a lot more aware now in, in the workplace. I know that they... Uh, my daughter, there was a meditation course at her university, which which was lovely. It was a mindfulness thing, a mindfulness. We will talk about mindfulness later on in this podcast. So, you know, I think companies are becoming much, much more aware now of their... Because, again, a healthy company, you know, a company full of mentally healthy people is, is a healthy company. Yes. You know, but we'll come on to that later. Um, Claire talks about... Oh, I like this. Claire talks about acceptance. I think recovery to me is accepting you are ill and not insane. In doing so, you acknowledge the problem and begin to move forward. You do find ways to cope. You recognise the symptoms and signs and are able to seek help and assistance before it gets its nasty little claws into you any deeper. You have to accept you are human, not superhuman. I also think that in your recovery, you reach a point of helping others recognise that they are ill and pointing them in the right direction. This is something you may not have received yourself. Yeah, how many of us didn't receive what we needed? It's nobody's fault. It's kind of it's one of those things. Where, it's one of those things where it's nobody's fault, but everybody's responsibility. It's 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 one of those. Uh, and I, like you, Lynn, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if you go through something bad and good comes out of it, that good should be shared with as many people as possible. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. Before we move on, one more one more testimonial. I love this. This is just this, this is just the voice of pure joy from Linda. Check this out. I am me again. I love me. I love my heart now and I love living. I love and enjoy everything about me. 
I feel good about myself and I have the courage to share with other people my experience, especially when they seek advice or ask me how I managed to get out. The more I share, the stronger I have become and more empowered. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I feel like I won a huge battle for myself. I defeated depression. It has nothing on me. So what can you expect from this podcast? I mean, the book Hope with Depression has got is so detailed and so many different angles as well. The angle of the sufferer, the angle of the carer, the angle of the therapist. So Teachers. We, teachers as yep. well. Teachers, people in the workplace. Yep. Um, social media. Social media. So we're going to be covering all of it. We're going to be covering the different types of depression there are. We're going to, we're going to cover, this is important, recognising it and seeking treatment because can it go unnoticed? Of course. Can people just think this is the way? <laughs> also, a lot of people have been have felt so low for so long that they think that that's, that's our them. Life's, that's our and life's that's how life, how their life should be. And interestingly, they they probably think that's how life is for everybody. Yes. Because we tend to generalise our experience. We tend to think if I feel like this, if I feel this way, the world is this way. Yes. We sort of project our feelings onto onto the world, if you like. People but, are afraid to think that maybe they they there is better. That's interesting. Why? Um, Better the devil you know. Because I think there is still a lot of negativity around mental illness. For many people, um, depression, sadness, low mood can become part of their identity, who they are. And I think sometimes for some it can be quite hard to think that 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 perhaps isn't the best version of them because it be, could be better but because it's, they've because, almost been defined by their illness they've they've bought into that they've bought yes. into it so strongly that it they've def, it, and that that's the way life is for them and then so to give up the depression they'd have to give up themselves and and yes, and and, that, part and, of and, them. and this little bit of themselves depressed as it is seems to them all they've got left so i suppose it would be a frightening prospect and i think some people are afraid of who they might be without it um, and for a lot of people, they've they've felt that way for so long. But these fears are groundless, ultimately, aren't they? I mean, no one, no one that got over depression and felt happy would go. Do you know what? I actually preferred being depressed. I mean, nobody would say that, would they? I think also for some people, it can be easier to be like that, um, or to think that that's the way. Because obviously, recovery from any form of mental illness is is hard work. It's not easy, um, and it takes perseverance. Um, determination and the real want of the person that's suffering to change. Mm. Going to be talking about depression and well-being, uh, depression and other illnesses as well. This is interesting. What what other illnesses? I'm just reading the chapter Um, headline. The other other illnesses cover both mental and physical um, illnesses because obviously there are um, depression it can also be tangled with um, anxiety, Mm. eating disorders, OCD, PTSD, um, many borderline personality disorder. Um, So there is the depression can manifest itself alongside other mental illnesses, not just one, perhaps two or three. Mm. Um, And also there is the physical element in depression as well. People with Parkinson's, cancer, dementia, they can all be sufferers of um, depression as well because of the way that their life's changed or mm. revolved around their physical illness and it's and it's caused great limitations on them yep, and understood. the way they're living. Understood. Um, and also for the carers, you, you know, I know myself what it's like to, to care for someone 24-7 that's, that's got a mental illness or a, and in um, 
physical illnesses. A lot of the carers suffer low mood and depression as well because obviously their life is... I mean, burnout is very big amongst the carer community, isn't it? Just just like it is in the medical community. And I can can understand that. And we cover that in great depth in in the book as well. And we will be talking about that on the podcast because carers need care too. You of know. course they do. Yeah. Um, th- this, is not, this one won't be an easy listen, but a necessary one. Depression and the risk of suicide. Um, you know, suicide prevention, so important. Uh, next chapter, depression in the under-25s. And, and we talk about social media a lot here as well, I think. Uh, in the under-25s. And we talk to some under twenty five. Yes, there's and, a lot and, of under-25s. And, and some 28s. Yay, Sam. Under-30s. But I think depression in the under-25s, um, in in school and university, um, it's become quite the disease of today's society now. Mm. Um, not just depression, but other mental illnesses as well. And um, I think I wanted to cover that in depth. I've I've been blessed that many teachers have contributed as well from their perspective and how they think um, how mental illness has become more prevalent. In, within oh, schools I hope, we, and the I hope we get some teachers on. I would love to get some teachers on the podcast. I'll tell I'm you sure minute. I can find you some. I'll, t- I'll tell you who we're, get, we're going to be getting on soon because we've got two absolutely guaranteed ones. I don't want to make promises we won't be, may not be able to keep, but I think it's a good chance that we will be able to source some. I'm sure. So we, we will, will source support. we will source some great stuff for you. I absolutely promise you that. I've got some great ideas of who to get on. Uh, depression in the home. That's an interesting one. Depression in the workplace and depression and the online world as well. So we're going to be covering all of that and coming soon. Coming soon on the Hope with Depression podcast, uh, we're going to be. T- you've got two great people lined up. These are people that contributed to your book, aren't they? They're two therapists. Tell me more. Who um, have you got? Two that I've worked with, and I can personally recommend them. I've seen the fruits of their work, and they are amazing. One is uh, my dear friend Dion Curtis, who is a hypnotist, and she also does the power of NLP Ooh. yes the good old NLP, oh, and NLP so she's yep. keen to come on and, and give us the benefits of her wisdom and also um, the lovely Catherine Curl who is very very experienced in mindfulness um, which I think will benefit both carers sufferers and anyone listening mm. who can learn from her too well, so mindfulness they are is huge def- nowadays it is, isn't it yes. I mean. and I do believe that the NHS are now beginning to recognise it as a form of therapy and I would hope so I mean, although it, it's, altern- it's still classed as an alternative therapy yeah, I mean, I suppose we live in exciting times in the sense that we we can measure what's going on in the brain now with the advances in neuroscience. Normally, mindfulness, you'd have to go off to some monastery in Tibet yes. and, and you Sounds know, like and, and, and meditate with a, a Vietnamese monk, <laughs> and, you know, all by yourself. It sounds like, see, I'd find that boring personally. That, that's, the, that, that's, that's the thing. And certainly there'd be no scientific instruments there to measure. But then since Oxford University studied it um, with great pioneering work like uh, Danny Penman and Mark Williams, they wrote a book uh, on mindfulness which is brilliant ruby wax of course yes and, and it's been definitely. scientifically proven that yeah. by eight simple weeks of simple mindfulness practice the happiness centers in the brain light up and they light up no matter what's going on in the outside world so we're going to be talking about cures from the inside out as well as cures from the outside outside in, outside in. Yes, and they're both and they're both relevant and I'm, and that's that's what i love about mindfulness because it's something that you can do anytime anywhere in in any place nobody knows you're doing it and it's nothing to be embarrassed about none of this is anything to be oh, embarrassed about i think we could all benefit from taking time out i think today's society is running at a really fast pace we're all running at a really fast pace 
And I think sometimes the brain just needs to stop. Well, we all need to stop and just take stock for a little while. And that's what mindfulness can bring to all of us, not just people I think suffering so. from mental I might share illness. a bit of my burnout experience as well, because I did have a burnout. And partly it's one of the symptoms of that is, is certainly a mild depression. Uh, and, yes. and it's caused by just, just, just in hindsight, trying to do too many things, number one, perfectly. And number two, at once. Yes. And we need yeah. time to be. We need downtime. We need, you know, we need time to relax and recharge and kick that parasympathetic nervous system. That, you know, the rest and the rest mm. and digest system. You know, we're, we're we're running on stress. We're running on cortisol. And cortisol can make you fat, by the way, as well. So that's another benefit of not to be stressed. It can. <laughs> it can because it spikes well, insulin, and insulin's a fat storing hormone. Seriously. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're all overstressed and, you know, no wonder burnout is high, particularly in the caring professions. So we, we want to address all of those things. We want to address, and we will, uh, over the next few episodes. So, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for oh, having me, as uh, always. Lynn, and just congratulations on, you're very humble, so I'm going to boast for you. Your, your, <laughs> your body of work is absolutely is stunning. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the work you've done, this whole, you know, you've, you've kind of taught it as you've gone along. And as I say, it's all authentic. This is all real-life experience. So I recommend your work. I'm humbled and honoured to endorse your work. LynnCrilly.com if you'd like to check it out. L-Y-N-N-C-R-I-L-L-Y. LynnCrilly.com. Mental health matters a lot. Hope with depression, the podcast. I also want to be talking, I think when we talk about... uh, Depression and younger people as well. Sam, I'm gonna. I'd like to talk to you, and because you're very into acting and drama and all that sort of thing, uh, which number one, I'm naturally very interested in anyway. But number two, that's been a real key part of your recovery, hasn't it, from from your challenges? Oh yeah, that was kind of. I always say, um, you know, mental illness doesn't have a drug, but for me, that was my drug. That was what drove me to get better. Um, yeah, I just found where I belong, and I think. Because I have such a creative mind and a lot of people who suffer from mental illness are in the creative industry, Mm. when I'm not doing something creative, I find my mind manifests into different things and, and for example, OCD, and that's when it starts running wild, when it's not focused on something creative. Does Mm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're speaking... That's why I wanted to talk about this. I think you're speaking to millions of people. Yeah. Millions. Because everyone's creative in some way. I I think we we need to allow that... Again, this is what just talking about with your mum a second ago, that kind of mindfulness, that kind of being, but a part of rather than doing, if you know what I mean. Yes. Rather, you know, but part of being this is allowing, and that's a key word, allowing that creative energy, however you define it, to flow, yeah. to flow through us. Yeah. Um, flow states, all these sorts of things. Yes. Um, I've experienced flow state while I've been on stage, while I've been doing stand-up mm. comedy. You must have as well. And it feels like ecstasy. Oh, it you, is. You cannot, you cannot, and it is like a drug. These yeah. are like endogenous, you know, inner drugs. Yeah. You know, and it's healthy. And there's no side effects apart from feeling good exactly yeah it, i mean at the beginning you kind of wait backstage and you're wondering why you're doing this then after because you're so nervous then after you just get this buzz and yeah i can imagine it being i've never taken drugs but i can imagine it being that buzz and and like you said there's no negative to it um mm. I, that's why i highly I, I think they might have cut down on the funds with and this was a while ago with uh, drama and things like that. But I think it's so important, mm. um, especially with people who aren't academic. I think I always thought I should be academic. So it was never somewhere I fitted in. And then I suddenly found somewhere 
And it is, it's amazing. It, it was, when I started recovering, recovering properly was when mm. I was acting. And you found something right for you. And I think that's really important as well. Mm. And I think that that's a good thing to raise now because you said you should be academic, yeah. which is comparing yourself to other people. But but if you're not an academic, you're, if you're a creative, you're never going to be an academic. It'd be like asking an apple to be an orange. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. and and one isn't better or worse than the other. We, we need academia. There's certainly a place for it. My, you know, my daughter's an academic. But we need the creatives as well. It's mm. like, it's the yin and the yang. We need both of them. Yeah. And um, both are as good and complement each other beautifully. Oh, yes, they do. Uh, yes, you know, they do. Yeah. In, in, in many, many ways. And, and that's as it should be, I believe. Um, and also, I think a, a benefit. Of- I featured in a play that you that you co-wrote. Yes. And I, who did I play? I played the neurosis that hid under yes. this girl's bed. Megan. That was it. Yes. And, and I was her nemesis. I was her torturer. I was that nasty voice yes. in the in the head. Under the bed. Under under the bed. Yeah. The, like the monster under the bed. That yeah. Just, but in, you know, instead of, instead of being scary, I was just frankly rude, and and <laughs> and said and said just re- but said really nasty things, yeah. bullying things. Yes. But we do that to ourselves. Our inner voice can be so critical, and that was that was what I think what it was trying to portray. But she eventually whooped my ass. You know, she she eventually. Yeah overcame me yeah um you know and i was quite rightly made to look a fool and seen for the pathetic liar that i was yeah um but and if we apply that and what i'm getting around to saying is if you can put your fears out in front of you yes and see them for what they are and then overcome them yes yeah because i suddenly realized the character i was playing had been inside my head when i was in my 20s so in a sense i was confronting him Yeah. yeah yeah and do you know what when you actually get some perspective and distance and look at him for what he was He's an absolute douchebag, and a I fake, know. and a liar, yeah. and, and I wouldn't take him any more seriously than I'd take Donald Duck. <laughs> you, you, I mean, seriously, but, so but, but when you're lost in these thoughts, yes. it seems so bloody real. Yeah. But when you get perspective from it, and I think drama helps you do that, mm. you can see it for the falseness that it is. Mm. Even, even, can I be so bold as to say, laugh at it? Yes, that, that's what we were trying to do, was... Laugh at it. It was a bit controversial, but we just wanted because because you do. Once oh no, you, it wasn't. Humor's a fantastic healer. Yeah. Don't ever doubt that. Once you separate yourself from the illness and yes. you work out what the illness was saying, for example, OCD and the crazy things it makes you do, mm. and you realise they're not your friend anymore. They're they're your worst enemy. There's a saying, and it's um, uh, you wouldn't let a bully into into your house, so why would you let them into your head? Exactly. And it's that. It's realising. You're not the illness. It's an illness, and mm. it's not you. Yes, it's not you. It's not your identity. It's not yes. who you really are. Yeah. Who you and I think I think this is where we need to flip to the positive. Uh, talk about mental health. Who you really are is an expression of what you love to do. Yes. Is an expression of joy. Is an expression of of your mm. best self. I don't mean morally best self. I just mean feeling your best feeling mm. self. Mm. Yeah, because because actually morals can be a bit dodgy because that comes into the world of shoulds very true you should do this you should be an academic it's you know i know you know some people might be in a family i know you weren't because your family very supportive but you could be in a family where well granddad was this and father was this and you should do that as well it's a family obligation it's a duty anything should must ought to have to um i think can be questionable at best and downright limiting and destructive at at worst, so um, I, no, I totally agree with you. I think if I was in that, if I didn't have the support I have, I think I would have. I, I, I honestly think I don't think I would be here right now. Well, wow. yeah, I honestly think I, I just wouldn't have found myself. I think I would have been always would have been that apple that's not the orange. Exactly. Um, and but you make a great apple. That's the thing. I love you, being an apple. You, you make a great apple. I could never see you as an orange. I don't want you to be an orange. <laughs> and I've got friends that are great oranges, and I never yeah. want them to be apples. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
it's just that society and the expectations and thinking of what you should be. All, all again, we're so. It's like, it's like having a cat that, that you really, really love, and then one day you go, "I don't love you anymore." Why not? Says the cat, "Because you're not a dog." And the yes. cat says, "Well, sorry, mate. I'm I, I, sorry, mate. I, I, can, I can be a good cat because that's what I am. That's what I am. Accept me or don't. Accept me. You know, love mm. me or hate me. You know. Let me be a cat. Yeah, just let me be who I yeah, am. Just let me be. Let, let me be a cat. <laughs> I'll, I'll never be a dog. You know, there's loads of perfectly good dogs. Let them be dogs. Yeah, there's a dog over there. There's a dog over it. there. Yeah. No, I want that dog to be a cat. But, no. But, but you see, and but this ties into something else. And we're going to be talking to a lady in the next podcast about this. You know, we take on the judgments of other people and then to try and fit into their judgments, to their realities, if you like. We try and cut ourselves in, you know, in, you know, cut bits off ourselves to try and make ourselves fit into the box of what other people think we should be. And that's bullshit as well. Yeah. And some, they probably don't even fit into their own box. Exactly. It's, it's your made up. Well, not made up. It's just our, our, again with social media and everything, hmm. we make up these lives for other people that that they that they're trying to show, and it's not. That's not it. I, I do think social media has a massive impact. Mel B that. called it Insta Sham in her book. Oh really? Oh, that's interesting. She was it going is, through. Yeah. She was going through a terrible time in, in an abusive relationship. It's, oh, really? it's, it's an incredible book, by the way. Well, well worth reading. She she was a girl on town, super successful. Yes. She's bounced back after the relationship with Eddie Murphy. Everything's wonderful. Everything's joyful and sparkly and successful and rich and beautiful. And, and inside, she was dying. That that's so true. I remember um, seeing one of my friends. She posted uh, some trainer, really nice trainers that her boyfriend got her. Oh yeah. And then I saw her a couple of days later, and um, he got them for her because they had an argument. So you kind of. And he was out of order in the argument. So you're like, okay, that's you don't realise the backstory behind all of these things. It's fascinating, but yeah, it is. It is fascinating, and I do think we need backstory to give us context. Because, mm. mm. um, but again, when you can put things and see them in the context they were in, yes, then you get the clarity. Yeah, yeah, and I think back to drama. That's that's how that helps you because it creates, it literally creates a context for healing. It does, yeah. And your poetry, it comes from such a deep place. I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe in past lives or not, but I want to say she's been here before. <laughs> do you know? Yeah, my... I mean, it's deep stuff. We do. We will feature your OCD. Actually, we're going to feature many of your poems yes. uh, through this podcast because I think they're brilliant. And good luck with the book you're writing, by the way. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, Re- I'm Released in October. To, to sharing them. Yes, yeah. October. Mm. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, where does that come from? Do you know what? I wrote poems when I was younger and I never really thought much of it. Of it. I saw them the other day. Um, and then um, when I was doing my degree, uh, mum was writing her books and, I, and she just said, can you write a couple of poems for me? You know, one on, you know, mother's love and, and one on depression. And so I did research on depression and, and I wrote them and uh, didn't really think anything of it. And then they started getting picked up by people. And then, um, yeah, got a book deal. So, um, I'm they, not surprised. They're brilliant. They come from... I think I have to be in the right headspace with, with everything creative, but I'll get ideas at 3am in the morning and then and then start typing them up at 3am. So I don't know. I just think right now I've got I've got the time to be able to think about it. I've got the time to be creative and create things. And when and, the muse comes to you, listen, yeah. listen to her. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's And it raises doing, another yeah. point as well, because sometimes we're so good at things, but we don't realise how good we are at things, and you're doing things that no one else could do as, as a brilliant apple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Because oranges wouldn't do that. No, that's it, true. It would not interest yeah. oranges at all waking up at three in the morning and writing poetry. But yeah. to a creative apple, that that that's heaven. Yeah, it that, is. That's it's brilliant. amazing. Uh, but but an orange, some oranges might say some of the, some of the you know the, the lower lower order of oranges might yeah. say, well, what use is that? 
you know, uh, and you're like, well, actually, this is something that I, is absolutely unique to me. It's something I bring to the world, and frankly, I'm good at it, and I feel good about doing it. Yeah. And just yeah. just because I don't know how I do it, and just because not everyone does it, and just because, um, and just because it's not generally considered in society something important yes. in inverted commas a career or yeah, something like you know, that yeah. a proper job you know mm, and, proper, all that, yeah, and, all, and all that bullshit yeah um you know uh don't don't devalue it yeah you know, don't no, de- I agree. don't yeah. devalue your talents because yeah. we've all got them and we need to play to them if we're going to be happy yeah. <laughs> and i think yeah. it's great if we're it, not trying to be oranges yeah we're not trying yeah once you accept your an apple, an orange, and you expand on that. Yeah, I got a friend who's a banana. That's a bit weird, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm probably a mix between that as well. But, is that um, right? Okay, you're a yeah, hybrid. I've definitely got something else going on there. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Just something else transla- translating something. Um, so no, and I think once you accept what you are, and then you expand on that, exactly. oh, it's an amazing feeling. That, um, no, that's that's beautiful. Yeah. Accept what you are and expand on that. Yeah, it, and you're you're unstoppable because. Because you're being yeah. you. Because you're being you. You're yeah. not trying to be anybody else. You're not trying to impress anybody else. Yes. This is the danger of social media. You yeah. don't really care what people think of you so much because you're too too. You're so happy being yourself that you actually don't really care if other people are judging you or not. Yeah, very true. And, and let them have their judgments. Yeah, exactly. And then you kind of realise as well. Not many people were. They've got so much stuff going on in their own lives. You realise that. There wasn't actually as many people judging me as you thought there was. It's like it's the twenty forty sixty rule. You've heard this one, have you? No, I haven't at, heard that. At one. twenty, you worry what everyone thinks of you. At forty, oh, you, yeah. at forty, you don't give a toss. And at sixty, like you just beautifully articulated, at sixty, you realise they weren't thinking about you in the first place because they were so self-absorbed with their own shit. Yes, so. yes, exactly. They might have thought you about thought about you for about five minutes and then moved on. At the meantime, you've worried yes. about what they thought about you for. 20, yeah. t- for 10 days at yes. least and try to put loads of posts on Facebook to try and yeah. ameliorate the damage that was never there yeah. in I always the first think if, place. If you could put that mindset into a younger generation, how amazing would that be? What we're doing with this podcast. Yeah, just just that mindset of just not worrying what other people think. Yeah, we're, we're going to be, be we're gonna be covering all of that. Uh, and it's so fascinating to get a younger person's perspective as yeah. well. I think the generations have actually, rather than generation gap, we've got so much to offer each other. I, I agree. I think we're... We're so because I find this open. fascinating talking, you know, talking to you about this, and I relate to it so much. I may yeah. be, I may be a generation ahead. I mean, I may be fifty-one, but I, I totally get this, it's... and I still have these feelings too. Just because you're an adult doesn't mean you don't have these feelings. Yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, we have too much of a generation gap where gap is that it? Uh, yeah. Where we don't talk, we don't, and I think we have a lot more in common than we think we do. And that's important too. And it's fascinating as well. We always talk. Me and my grandma have these long chats. Oh, and, how lovely! And we're like people from different different times different generations but we would have been best friends if we were the same age sort of thing we're best friends anyway but would have. i know, you know what you mean um what beautiful what a beautiful concept yeah so hmm. yeah and, and and i think as well being being 28 i'm not old but i'm not like hip and young with teenagers hmm. so but i think i'm lucky i grew up not having social media not having all the online stuff. That wouldn't have done you any favours. Not, oh, do you know what? Not at all. But, but then I've had a, a bit of it, sort of, as it's come in. So I've kind of lived both, both ideologies, both kind of, you mm. know, with social media and without. So What's best? Without, 100%. I think if I was young now, I would find it so difficult. I, I feel really bad for the younger, gen- younger generation mm. because they just don't switch off and... And we didn't have half of the the pressure and the coming home and flicking through. We had magazines and we had adverts, but we never had 
social media and, and I look at pictures now and stories now and I, I still have to tell myself they're not real and I know they're not real. Whereas if I was younger... You'd have bought it. I would have bought it. 100%. And then felt bad about yourself because you can't live up to some unachievable yes. standard. Yeah. And, and, all, and all that's being done is you're being, you're being sold something. Yeah. Es- yeah. Essentially, being sold a dream. Yeah, exactly. Um, I interviewed some wonderful folks from the Grace Deer Trust. That, oh, uh, I love the Grace Deer Trust. Tragically, uh, lost their daughter yeah. Grace because uh, she had some very big mental Ill, uh, challenges. Mm. And w- one of the points they came up with, and this really stuck with me, was. Back in my day, when I was at school, yeah, we had the bullies at school. We all had the school bullies. But at least you could leave them at your school. Yes, that's true. Now, they're right there. They're 12 inches away on your phone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that must hurt. And it just carries on and carries on. Sometimes, at least you could leave it and maybe the next day yeah. it might have calmed down a bit. Whereas, yes, yeah, it's, it's constant. That's yeah. so true. And that's something, that's, something mm. that's so important that we need to address. And we will on this, on this yes, podcast. We We've talked for ages. Goodness yeah, me. Yeah, we have. I we, know. We, we were uh, expecting that. Uh, no, it, no, it's been absolutely a great conversation. Yeah. Samantha Crilly. Um, no, thank you for having me. It, no, it's been absolutely lovely. Thank you for contributing. Well, it's, it's, this, is, this is our project. It's, yeah. not, it's not my podcast. Mm. It's our podcast. You know, but it's yours, really. It's... You know, it's, 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 it's Thank you. Um, Sam Crilly, thank you so much. Thank you very much. And you'll be hearing more from this amazing, inspirational young person as this podcast progresses. This is not the last you've heard of Sam. Promise you that. Thank you, Sam. Thank you very much. Next time on Hope With Depression. Is there hope with depression? There's big, 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 big hope with depression. There is joy beyond depression. Oh, I like that. After their session, uh, oh my God, and then I I um, I get an email two days later... Oh, I just feel like the heaviness is lifted. I feel like I've got a new lease of life. I feel like I've got my energy back. I feel like I've got my zest back. And that could be after one session. It was so heartwarming to say I was completely depressed. And five minutes later, there is no sign of that depression in my body, in my life, in my mind, in my thoughts, anywhere. And you come into the joy of you, so you just actually feel happy for no reason. That joy, that happiness is the real you. Yeah? Our natural state is joy. You know, this is is called uh, putting your money where your mouth is. You don't know what you're going to get. They asked me to do the brain maps on some people that were having bars done. I mean, I was blown away. It takes a lot to blow me away. This blew me away. Anyone listening, always remember that recovery is possible. My family and me are proof of that. How does it get any better than this? Hope with Depression, the podcast.